0: My guest today is Kelly Sachs. Kelly, welcome to Eva Talks.
1: Hi, Eva. Thank you so much. I'm so flattered and honored and humbled and beyond to be here sitting with you.
0: You describe yourself as an influencer, Libra, wife, your BFF, and usually (laughs) running heels on Cuban time. How would the person closest to you describe you in a word?
1: In one word? Wow. (laughs) Two, three. <laughs> no, um, One word. Um, probably giving.
0: So you're a very generous person.
1: Yes. Um, my love language is definitely gift giving. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friends remind me of this all the time. And I think, um, I don't know if it's partly because something that I got from my dad. My dad. That's always how he expressed his love for us growing up. Um, but for me, I mean, I. It's, I'm, I was, it's always been very hard for me, especially growing up and being a woman in business to say no. Mm-hmm. So I always want to, I will go out of my way for, especially for a friend or a loved one. Like it's very hard for me to say no. And so I always want to, I'm a people pleaser right. above all. So I want to be able to help people all the time. Even sometimes if I already have too much on my plate. And for me, um, if my time is spread too thin, sometimes like I can always give a gift. So, um, I think that's probably like a big part of my personality
0: but like you say it also comes from your heritage i mean the latin way of doing things Mm -hmm. of being very giving and being always there for
1: friends and family absolutely um that's how we express ourselves Mm -hmm. right we we always family above all like we love um any in anybody's time of need like if I'm sick, Abuela's always ready to like make me la sopita, you know, to make my, my chicken soup. It's what can I do for you to make you feel better, to help you. It's all, and exactly, it's a big part of my heritage and, um, and what makes Kelly, Kelly. And you were born in Miami. I was born in You're raised.
0: one unique creature because I think <laughs> that meeting somebody or being with someone who is actually born in Miami I think you're like a rare species uh, uh, that doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Like a unicorn. (laughs) A unicorn. But your story is very interesting. I mean, when I said at the beginning that you're an influencer, you're actually somebody who studied journalism.
1: I am a trained journalist with a degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Miami. Um, And I always, like I shared with you earlier, I think being a storyteller is central to who I am as a person. I am a very chatty person by nature, but um, it's something I've always been drawn to since I was a young girl, I loved writing stories in school, which led me into a magnet program um, here locally at South Miami Elementary, Middle and then Senior High. Um, I loved our magnet program. We had a little TV studio inside of our school, and that's really where I was able to explore that passion. And mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to be in front of the camera in some way, shape or form. And I enjoyed like telling these stories. So I went on to study at UM and. Um, and then, you know, blogging happened. <laughs> when you
0: started your blog, um, you were working at a PR firm. Mm-hmm.
1: But
0: when you started your blog and telling these stories and, you know, it was just the beginning, then you, become, you became one of the, you know, early ones. I mean, in Miami, you were one of the first mm-hmm. ones doing this job. Did you ever imagine where it would take you?
1: Never in my wildest dreams. Um, and even today, eight years later, I started in 2010, I was interning in a fashion PR office that now I get to do business with, which is wild to me. It started as a, well, my girlfriends are always asking me for advice. I kind of wanted to build a portfolio to see where I wanted um, to have a space to, you know write stories and share content that I could later share with future employers. Blogging, it was just in its infancy people didn't know what a blog was. When I would say what it was, they kind of thought of it as like an online journal. I'm one who had a live journal when I was in high school. If you remember live journal, is was basically like an online diary. Um, I would come home from school and write, oh, you know, I got into it with a girlfriend today or I saw my crush and you would like write like what your favorite song is at the moment. And so that was like the very first blog, I guess. But um, when I started my blog, It was really just to have a conversation with girlfriends to share tips about fashion and beauty and to build a portfolio for interviewing for future jobs. I never in my wildest dreams thought that it would become my job. Um, And it's crazy to me that, um, you know, it's kind of right time, right place kind of thing, I think. But it also had to do with um, my commitment to it, the fact that I was so passionate about it. Um, I got great feedback from it almost right away. And... um, It's been a heck of a ride in the past eight years. (laughs) Now that you say that, when you
0: started, nobody understood what being a blogger or a Mm -mm. blog was. The other night I was at dinner and it was a little bit of noise and somebody asked me, so what are you doing? And I said, a podcast. And, you know, the person turned around and said, vodka? And I'm like, (laughs) uh, no, but... um, Maybe it's a hint. Uh, I may have to go into the vodka business instead of the podcast business. Um, well, you... we could get you a vodka sponsor. Well, thank you. Because we can't drink vodka while we podcast. There you go. That, that, that would be the best. I mean, Eva talks with vodka. Um, but, but, you know, how did you, you know, I'm always curious, mm-hmm. like that moment when you knew that you had connected. I mean, when was it? Because obviously it was when people started talking about it, writing you comments. Mm-hmm. I don't think it? I
1: can pinpoint yeah. because eight years, like yeah, if you look at it in a big lens, like eight years is not that long, but you know, at 31 years old, eight years, that's a big chunk of my life Listen, that I've been doing this. I'm
0: 44, eight years is a long
1: time. <laughs> eight Believe years is me. a long time to be doing anything. Yes. So over the eight years, I can't really pinpoint that one moment that I was like, wow, I made it, or wow, like, mm-hmm. okay, this is a thing, but... Um, probably, you know, when I'm out in public and I, you know, I hear somebody yell my name across the room, oh my God, Kelly, or, um, (laughs) like, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, the first time that I got a brand offering me money to, you know, to do, to take pictures of myself and write about their product. I, I wish I remember which was the first one. I can tell you that one of the first big brands that ever gave me an opportunity, and I love them to this day is Bloomingdale's. Mm -hmm. I had a friend May she rest in peace, Jules. Um, She connected me to the PR manager at Bloomingdale's and they let me do like a little pop-up of, my blog initially was Kelly's Closet and they Mm -hmm. let me do Kelly's Closet in real life at Bloomingdale's at the Falls. So they gave me free reign, they gave me a clothing rack and they're like, here, pick out all of your favorite things, put them on this rack, we're gonna pop it up in the middle of the store. This was maybe seven years ago. there was no such thing as doing like blogger events in a big department store, especially True. not at Bloomingdale's. True. Um, so to me, that was really cool that Bloomingdale's wanted to have me do a personal appearance in their store. And that was probably my first big major event. And at that point I was probably like, all right, maybe this is gonna happen.
0: What is the one thing that you think distinguishes you? I mean, looking at your social media, Instagram in a specific, you're so coherent in everything that you put. I mean, you go, you scroll down, and you can see that everything makes sense. It seems like you have posted everything the same month. <laughs> uh, how do you do it? And how oh.
1: how important
0: is that narrative or being very coherent in the work that you do?
1: Mm-hmm. You know what I like to say. Um... If it looks easy, mm-hmm. if it looks effortless, there's probably a lot of work happening behind the scenes. Very true. And I think it, it takes a lot of hard work to make it look that way, um, which a lot of people don't realize. Because um, I get a lot like, wow, your job is so fabulous. And oh, and then there's the people that are like, bloggers, they have it so easy. You know, you get free gifts and you get sent on trips and you get free dinners. And, and I'm like... You know, it's a very small part of my job. Like, there's mm-hmm. so much work that goes on behind the scenes. And mm-hmm. you have to be so passionate about this industry um, to really have the wherewithal to to do the day in and day out. And I'm not going to lie. I'm living my dreams. Like, to be able right. to wake up each morning and be the person who determines how my day is going to go, mm-hmm. what I'm going to do, what job I'm going to say yes and no to, um, to decide what I can wear every single day. The big, I worked in the corporate world for, like, five seconds and... Mm-hmm. Which was actually like two years, but um, one of the biggest struggles for me was, you know, a dress code every day. To me, like mm-hmm. I always loved fashion, so a dress code to me was like, oh, I can't wear like that beautiful floral print dress that I just bought. I have to like wear like dull colors. But anyway, to answer your question, yeah. how to keep things um, cohesive? I, there's definitely effort that goes into it. It's not something that just happens. Yeah. Um, when it comes to planning out my Instagram feed, you know, I, there's an app that I use that helps me lay out the photos. Um, social media is interesting in the way that when it first came about, like Instagram. If I scroll back all the way back to the beginning of my Instagram page, um, you know, there's random shots of like my hands from like the manicure I got that day, <laughs> or like my dog while we're on a walk. It didn't have any rhyme or reason. And obviously this is my business now. So it does have a rhyme and a reason. um, And there's a plan that goes. So just like a magazine would plan out every monthly issue, you know, I plan out my content. Um, It is a little bit more sporadic because I'm going to different events every day or whatever projects I'm working on. But um, I keep like, I have like a brand theme, um, different filters that I tend to use more than others. So I try to keep the look very cohesive for my brand, my brand colors. And I know At the end of the day it all reflects who kelly is because when i started doing this i it wasn't because i was getting paid it wasn't because i thought i was gonna make money it was truly because i wanted to share something that i was passionate about and i think even after all these years that's still central to who i am and who my business is and i always promised myself that i would stay true to me and my brand is me which is great because Not many people can say that they work for a company or get to do something that they love so much every single day. So I know how blessed and lucky I am to do that. Um, And then my audience has grown with me all over these eight years. So they have come to me because they like what I'm doing. So I always remind myself that I have to keep it um, dedicated and central to who I am. Um, And it's worked so far. So... (laughs) My niece, who is 16 years old, and my biggest
0: social media critic, uh, always used to tell me that you write too much in your captions or <laughs> you post too much. Um, okay, what is it? I, I, so I'm not a blogger. Okay, so I'm a normal person. Mm-hmm. What is it? Because I used to tell her, look, I, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to your audience, millennials. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am more into my my group of people. Absolutely. But she said, no matter that no matter where it goes. So she was a big critic, so I'm I'm taking advantage (laughs) of of having you here, right here with me to answer this uh, question.
1: It's not a cut and dry answer, but I will say that there was a time in Instagram land that you could get away with just writing like a one sentence caption and putting an emoji and like Mm -hmm. putting a pretty picture and just being like, mood heart emoji but that's what they do these younger generations they're all personal absolutely they have this whole different way of how they are consuming social media and it's fascinating and Mm -hmm. they are the biggest consumers of of social media right now if i'm looking to what's happening next in social media and technology i'm going to be asking my 16 year old sister or my (laughs) 19 year old cousin because even when snapchat came around i had no idea how to use it no Mm -hmm. clue Mm -hmm. um But anywho, when it comes to captions for me, I I don't have um, a limit really. I wanna get across whatever I'm trying to get across in my caption. If I can do that in three sentences, if it takes a paragraph, it is what it is. My audience is engaged because they're truly invested in me and they wanna know whatever it is that I'm talking about in that caption. Personally, I think lengthier captions I mean, not this isn't always the case, right? Because then there's the dreaded Instagram algorithm that comes into play. But with the caption, and I told you this earlier, like for me, storytelling is so vital to my brand, and I always I want to make sure that anything that I post has a meaning. Right. It's not going to be a pretty picture to be a pretty picture. Like, yes, it's going to be a beautiful picture, but the caption is going to tell a story, or it's going to share something that I want you to know. So whether that's a short caption or a long caption. I will tell you what I learned last year. I had, we did a little workshop with Facebook and Instagram here in Miami. Um, and they shared a lot of tidbits with us and like best practices. Um, and when it comes to captions, Instagram actually has technology um, that's scanning for keywords. And that is how they decide how or who is viewing that content. So if you're writing in your caption about the little black dress that you just purchased today, And, you know, people who are following you are liking and engaging a lot with content about little black dresses. That kind of is determining. And you want to make sure that your caption matches your image. So uh, same example, if there's a photo that you post about a little black dress, but your caption is talking about pancakes doesn't jive
0: got it okay <clears throat> sometimes i do put a picture in a black dress and i talk about pancakes so yeah maybe that's it you're tom hungry yeah i don't know you know i used to I, i'm a, am somebody who writes a lot yeah and in school you know my sister and i shared a class and i would you know she would write everything in one page i would write everything in six pages it would say the same story but you know it's a talent that some people have but thank you for clarifying that that's 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 really great. What do you think that people have to take into consideration when
1: starting in the industry uh, that you're in? So a story that I like to repeat a lot. About Mm -hmm. five years ago, I was at a blogging conference in New York during Fashion Week. And some of the OG, the originals, the very first bloggers, um, Leandra Medine, Man Repeller, Susie Bubble, Brian Boyer were sitting on this panel. And one of the questions someone asked from the audience to Susie if you were starting a blog today, would you still do it? Right. This was five years ago. She said no, mm-hmm. because at that point, the industry was already right. so saturated. Mm-hmm. Imagine we're in 2018 now, and I feel almost everybody deciding that they want to have a blog. I have like people that I went to high school with, that I grew up with, neighbors, that I, there's no uh, lack of the messages that I get constantly seeking advice on how to start a blog i think i don't think you should shy away from it however i think you need to decide whether you have a niche that is not being reached um because though the micro bloggers right now and people who have very specific niches are the ones that are going to be successful in starting a blog today second thing that you have to decide it decide is are you ready and committed to putting the work into making it successful? Because starting a blog today is not the same as me starting a blog eight years ago. You have to have a professional photographer prepared. And that, you have that to have money. I mean, that costs it, money. It's it's not free. You know, in any business, you have to spend money to make money, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that includes blogging today. You know, a lot, I don't just grab my iPhone and snap selfies of myself all day. There's, you know, a, a good amount of money that goes back into my business to keep it running and to keep being able to create this beautiful content. So I I would say that that's the biggest thing. If you're wanting to start a blog today, think about what it is that you want to talk about. Is it already, if somebody already else serving that audience and if not, are you prepared to put the work in?
0: Right, which I think is, um, is great advice. Let's talk about something that has happened or happened in your career maybe it's a mistake maybe it's a failure maybe it's something that didn't go right Mm -hmm. and what lesson do you take from it because it always takes
1: i I think the biggest fall mm -hmm. absolutely and that's the the way that you excel in business and the way that you grow right Mm -hmm. is you learn from your mistakes and i think um one of the biggest mistakes and or one of the biggest lessons i learned is don't sell yourself short and never take on a job for a brand that you're not really passionate about just for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Because let me tell you, that will be the longest, hardest, most grueling job you will ever do. Because if you're not truly passionate about it, no matter how much money they're paying you to do it, it's going to show, it, it's going to be a pain to do number one, because it's like pulling teeth. You really, if you don't truly enjoy you know, this, whatever, whether it's a service or a product, whatever it is, the client, um, And then no, no amount of money is going to, you know, help change your true feelings on it. Right. So for me, um, keeping as an influencer, your audience looks to you as an expert, right? They're looking to you for your advice, for your expertise. And it's very central to my business to keep my integrity. Um, I've been, I say no to jobs all the time. And I think that that's also a big issue with like newer bloggers that come into this business just for the money, because I think it's a quick buck. Brands are going to start throwing money at you left and right if you if you have any type of audience, or especially a big audience. Um, but if it's not something that you're in sync with, that you're passionate about, it's not worth it. And for me, like my integrity is everything with my audience. They've been with me, you know, eight years now. Most of my audience is, I feel like they're my girlfriend. They're in my same age group. Um, we've experienced lots of big life moments together. Uh, so they've seen my evolution and they look to me as somebody that they can ask or trust. I I get all sorts of messages from women from, you know, talking about personal illnesses or like skincare, like my, like what facial do you recommend? Like runs the game and like, oh, I just bought a house too. You know, where can, where do you recommend to go buy decor? Anything. And that to me is so cool that I have, you know, this network of women, like all over the world that like want my advice and appreciate my advice so that's been one of the biggest learning lessons to me is don't do a job just for the paycheck Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely and that's a very good advice integrity you spoke about that absolutely and i think that's something that people have to keep in mind Uh, values are of extreme importance Mm -hmm. in the long term the short term then they work but long term they don't and it's the same thing with followers i mean i get a lot of comments uh at dinners events meetings at my home, in restaurants, wherever I am, about, okay, so how about this insane amount of followers and people buying followers Mm -hmm. and buying likes? And is that a a continuing trend? Absolutely. And And what can be done
1: about it? It's a huge issue in our industry right now. I like to say that blogging is still kind of like the wild, wild west because Mm -hmm. it's still so new. Um, We're not really heavily regulated as an industry other than um, the FTC maybe like a year or two ago came out with rules on disclosing paid partnerships, right? Because Mm -hmm. as influencers, as bloggers, we're making money on ads just like any traditional forms of media like magazines, television, radio. Um, And there was a lot of... um, publicity surrounding the big like the huge bloggers um, and even celebrities last year I forget what was the publication that did the report on it on how they are not even disclosing um and for me transparency is a huge part of what I do because I don't I'm not embarrassed when I have a partnership with a brand I very proudly you know put ad on my post because that to me um, is a badge of honor, almost, right? That a but brand we, that I'm working yeah, with.
0: But we go to the beginning that you studied journalism, so we go back to the rules. Mm-hmm. You know the rules. Are those rules going to exist still? I mean, do people in the digital world respect them, or are there? I don't important? think
1: they're being respected fully, um, and I think it the onus is really right now. Um, on the brands they're the ones who are held liable if they mm-hmm. work with an influencer who doesn't disclose there was a big lawsuit last year with lord and taylor who hired this huge group of influencers to promote their product line and the ftc hit them with a lawsuit so they were kind of used as a guinea pig and mm-hmm. as an example i think since then i've seen a lot of more influencers and pr agencies or talent agencies um be much more upfront and uh, they'll include the rules for posting and uh, even for gifting. Now, when we receive, Mm -hmm. um, testers from beauty brands, they'll include like a sheet, make sure that, you know, even if it's a gift, you're not getting paid, you're supposed to disclose, I received this as a gift. And I think again, because the industry is not regulated, there's no degree that you can get in blogging. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people that come into this industry and they're fresh and they are just excited by the allure of being an influencer and receiving gifts that they have no idea. Um, but yes. So the fake following, so a lot of people will buy followers and buy likes because they want to be part of this glamorous world. Right. Um, and that to people who are honest like myself and running their business with honesty and integrity, it hurts our business because sometimes brands or agencies are just looking for the influencer with the most number of likes or follows. Right. So it's all about a number it's all about a number. I think, um, the biggest key to combating this is education. I think brands are finally realizing that hiring an influencer that supposedly has half a million followers on Instagram that are fake. They're going to realize it at the end of the campaign when there's no conversions. So I've already personally had, um, in, uh, these kinds of issues come up with colleagues of mine. I've heard stories, even, of You know brands getting burned Mm -hmm. at the end of the day they want to see what they're paying for so if an influencer is hired by x brand to promote say a new pair of shoes but they don't make any sales it's not about making sales because that's another thing that i've been spending a lot of time educating my brand partners on if you're hiring me with the intention that i'm gonna that you're gonna make x amount of sales like I, i don't encourage the partnership because we're not salespeople it's the same thing as how can you um, calculate the ROI on a magazine advertisement, correct? Like mm-hmm. if they um, purchase an advertising page in Vogue Mexico for you know a shoe brand, how do they exactly know how that converted? Same goes right. for an influencer. But now everything is about numbers. But so now everything is about numbers. Everybody is
0: now obsessed with numbers. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about you. So you're a Libra, like I said before, yes. and you're running everywhere in Cuban time <laughs> in your heels. Um, So tell me a little bit about your heritage in the aspect of, do you have a favorite Cuban dish?
1: Is your husband uh, Cuban as well? Yeah. So he's the same as me. So he was born and raised here in Miami to Cuban parents. Um, So we have very similar upbringings. Our our families are... How long have you been married now? We've been married two and a half years. Together for 10. Wow, it's a great story. Yes, as I was telling you (laughs) earlier, um, we like to joke that we had an arranged marriage because our families are longtime friends. Um, In the beginning, it was kind of awkward, um, but it was just, you know, one big happy family. There was no weird, like, introductions because the family already knew each other. Um, And it's great because we know that we grew up with the same values, with, you know, the same cultural background, the same... um, rituals um, so Cuban coffee of course you know it's so <laughs> funny actually my, my abuelo had to teach my husband how to make Cuban coffee really yeah so when we moved into our house we did a couple of we did about six weeks of construction and our home of remodeling um, and my grandfather he's retired and he was he's friends with my contractor so he was god bless him he's always looking for something to do with his hands he, he, at seventy some odd years old that he is, he loves to stay active, and um, so he was at my house, like helping me and watching almost every single day. So one, of course, the Cuban cafetera is going like multiple times <laughs> a day. Cuban cafetera, I love this Spanglish. It's part of the Miami culture, Absolutely. right?
0: So it's also you know what defines us. I mean, I'm not from Miami, mm-hmm. but I I grew up here. So Spanglish has been part of my it's life It's been very
1: hard forever. for me not to like <laughs> go into more Spanglish during this interview. I have to confess because especially when I'm with somebody else who speaks Spanish, right. that, that's my comfort level. We just go back and forth. Yes. And to me, I don't think other. about it. Yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't really think about it. So what's your favorite Cuban dish or Cuban food? You know what's so funny? I am the weirdest, one of the weirdest Cubans that you want <laughs> me because I don't eat pork. When I was 13 years yes. old, that makes you a complete... And to Different this person. day, my abuela, who I'm sure will hear this at some point, she still offers me lechong every noche buena. I still got, get offered un bistec, Like She's gotten better. Actually, my little cousin is vegetarian now. which okay. So, abuela learned how to make vegetarian croquetas. So, love you, abuela. I'm sure So, she delicious. caters to us left and right. But um, I don't eat pork and I don't eat beef. Um, I think my favorite Cuban dish is very simple. My abuela's Cuban soup is my favorite thing. I will eat that. Those like are the best. Anytime, even if I'm not sick, like that to me is my favorite. With a Cuban bread, not too crunchy, con muchísima mantequilla, like that's my favorite. <laughs> okay, so how do you get your hair to
0: have those natural waves?
1: Um, So my hairdresser at Sean Donaldson did this for me yesterday. <laughs> but um, I love using um, a, a curling wand without the clip, So just the wand. Right. I have a lot of battle scars from not wearing the glove, but um, yes. like a half inch to one inch and barrel and um, a good dry texturizing spray right I'm and all about like that easy hair it looks fabulous yeah. and
0: your style so what you've already have a defined style of what works best for you
1: I think I, my style kind of I'm, I have a very eclectic taste because I love fashion so much I loved I'm not scared to try any trend to try any type of style and I think um, for me that was the most alluring thing about working in the fashion industry because I could be wearing leather skinny pants one day and put on, you know, a gown the next day. I like, I love fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what defines my personal style is it's very feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a do you know, like... Oh Feminine, I would say, is central to it because I'm I'm a very feminine woman. I love dresses. I love yeah, yeah, ruffles. wearing a beautiful dress. Thank you. And you know, of a certain length, and you know, it's very it, chic. You're I think, very chic. I, chic, I would say that as well. I mean, feminine that, chic. Yeah. I think it because I'm Latina. I'm curvy. We talked about this earlier, and yes. I celebrate my curves. Um, but also because yeah. I'm petite, you know, I have to find ways that flatter my shape. So I like things that are. Um, fitted up the waist, belts are my best friends right. um, and I'll, you know throughout eight years I've, I've learned what works best for my body as well.
0: And that's the great thing about pictures, right? I mean you can take a lot of pictures and then understand what is your, what works best for a picture. There Absolutely. are things that work very well in person and then you see a picture of the same outfit mm-hmm. and you're like oh my god. Yep. The other day somebody was telling me I love your style and I was like well after the 12,000 pictures uh, that you can find in the internet (laughs) of me looking really, really bad.
1: I doubt that. No, no,
0: no, believe me, I have learned something. I mean, I've gone through every stage where probably back then, my look wasn't the most important thing that that was in my mind. Mm -hmm. It was my work. And so you're not worried about you. It's the last thing that you worry about. Then as I have evolved and there has been growth in my life, then you have time to prioritize Mm -hmm. and then you look, you have more time to get things together because it takes time. It does, you have to think about it. You don't wake up in the morning and suddenly you go like, well, let me see what I'm going to wear today. You probably know exactly what you own, right? it's classic. hard
1: sometimes because I you know I get new things and I'm, I'm either I'm getting samples or I'm shopping for a job or whatever it might be but yeah I pretty much I'll remember you know those shoes that I got two summers ago and I'm like where are those shoes like right. I'm, I'm a very visual person mm-hmm. um, so I do remember like the pieces that i own and there's pieces that i've had you know since when i first started blogging that i haven't gotten rid of i'm a little bit of a hoarder but you know being in this business um, it really helps you edit down i think that's one of the biggest lessons i've learned on the fashion side of what i do um, is the importance of editing down right because i only have so much finite space like bless my husband for giving me the walk-in closet in our house and i have a home office that also has another rack in it wow but
0: it's, you know, it's a lot. Having a supportive husband, I'm sure that helps
1: a lot. Honestly, I don't I don't yeah. talk about him enough. I mean, if people follow me on Instagram and watch my stories, know he's a little bit shy. We're very much the yin and the yang, but I wouldn't be able to do what I do without his support. Um, when we got married, we discussed it and, you know, he agreed with me that I could go full time into this business after our wedding, you know, wedding planet in and of itself is very stressful, but I was working in real estate um, for a long time. And, you know, this was my side gig. And I was really just so ready to like do it full time and so passionate. And I was turning away work because I didn't have the time. And he was like, you know, yeah. He's like, are you ready? He's like, let's do this. Um, and he's the guy behind the camera. A lot of times when we're traveling and I can't have my photographer, he is the best Instagram husband. So supportive. And he's been with me since before the blog. So I, I like to point out a lot of times that maybe if I would have met somebody after the blog, it would be very difficult. And I, and I understand that, um, that it's very difficult to have a partner that's in this world because, you know, he knows now when we go to a dinner, Don't touch the plate until I take the picture, (laughs) right? Like, he's so patient and so understanding. He's seen me build the business, so he gets it.
0: You know what I like that you keep saying business. This is a business. It is, absolutely. And it has to be treated like a business with Mm -hmm. the responsibility of a business. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that differentiates you from a lot of people. Yes, you can have fun but you take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. And it was a discussion between you and your husband. Absolutely. It's part of your life. It's like being a doctor. Mm-hmm. So did you ever think when you were growing up as a child that you were going to be a veterinarian or something like that, a lawyer?
1: I always, it's funny because I used to say that I wanted to be a lawyer. And I think that's right. before I realized what a lawyer mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. But I, as I got a little bit older, I actually got interviewed the other day and, I, and they asked me the same question. When you were a kid, what did you want to be? And there was two, People that were, like, icons to me. One was Oprah, and the other one was Martha Stewart. <laughs> I actually remember, I think it was in the seventh grade, I did a whole report project on Martha Stewart and, like, how I wanted to have, like, an empire like Martha Stewart. Right. And I don't know. I like to think of myself as, like, the Cuban Martha sometimes. <laughs> I love DIY. For me, I think a big part of who I am is I love beautiful things, and things in my life need to be beautiful. Like, my house... The, you know, the place where I spend most of my time, my clothing, um, my the spaces that I spend time in, like everything has to have a purpose and it has to be pretty and it has to look pretty. Um, some people might think that's a little psychotic, but that's who I am. I'm like well, a creative being and I enjoy things creative, that right. are beautiful.
0: And I think that sometimes this business takes a lot of criticism and is being considered superficial or mm-hmm. that um, you only talk about clothes or, you know, you want everything to look good. But isn't that what being creative is all about? Absolutely. And also in the the fashion business. And what would happen if you wouldn't have people like you uh, so that other persons and other girls or Mm -hmm. women that maybe don't have the access could dream a little bit? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to let people dream. And if... A hundred percent. And if that's all it is, then that's a fantastic business. I always finish all the podcasts talking about... Um, a message that I really believe It's very simple. of Yes, you can. And I think that you can do anything in life if you do it with passion, determination, a couple of tears, and... Um, Ooh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, nothing comes easy in life, right? What is for you the message of, yes, you can?
1: Uh, I think especially because of my Cuban heritage and my family's background, knowing that they came here with nothing, they left everything that they had behind, That is like a very emotional point for most Cubans, you know, even being a first generation American. Right. And that to me was probably what always propelled me being the first in my family to graduate from college um, and then building my business. Both of my parents are entrepreneurs, so they were the best example for me. I kind of always knew that I would never be able to work for anybody else. I always wanted to have my own thing. Um, I don't think that anybody anticipated that it would be what it is today, whether it was in the fashion industry or whether I became a lawyer or not. Um, but you can really do anything. And I think and thanks in big part to the Internet and anybody can be anybody they want to be today. Right. But I think, you know, if you have integrity, if you work hard um, and you're passionate about something that you can make it happen for yourself.
0: Well, thank you so much, Kelly, and I hope next time I can make some Cuban coffee. Maybe I'll leave it to your abuela o abuelo. We can Maybe invite them over. Maybe you can invite them over, or I can go to their home. Seguro so, que sí. Muchas gracias, Kelly. A ti, Eva, gracias. Voy a repetir la introducción para que te salga más rápida la respuesta, ¿te okay. parece? Entonces esto continúa. My guest today is Kelly Sachs. Kelly, welcome to Eva Talks. You describe yourself as an influencer, Libra, wife, you'll be a... Be- My guest today is Kelly Sachs. Kelly, welcome to Eva Talks. Thank you, Eva. You describe yourself as an influencer, Libra, wife, your BFF, and usually running in heels on Cuban
1: time. (laughs) How would the person closest to you describe you in a word? I think that's so hard to describe me in one word, but mm, probably giving... I'm very much, my love language is a gift giver, it's very difficult for me to say no to anyone and that's something that I've struggled with in my personal life and in my business life and a big part of what I do is is give, I share so much of my life, you know, through my blog, through social media, so I'm a big giver.
0: Wonderful, ahí lo dejamos. Genial, muchísimas gracias.